You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Morning, church. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Y'all ready? It's been a good day already. I'm looking forward to what God has in store for this service. If you are um, here visiting with us, we're glad you're here. Um, and if you've been here many times before, we're glad you're here. And praying, I've been praying all week that God would just uh, move in our hearts in an incredible way as we continue this service. Um, first of all, though, what was, something that's on my heart this morning is I just want to take a minute and say thank you to um, all of the people who help us do this every week, um, all of our connectors who uh, serve faithfully, uh, whether it's in the parking lot or set up or kids or whatever it is. Um, every week, I'm amazed that we actually pull this off, that God uses us to get this done. Because there's so much that goes into it. When I tell people what happens on Sunday, they're amazed that we do that every week. And so I just want to take a second to say thank you to everybody um, who helps us do this and whose heart is so that other people can experience what we've experienced. Um, that's why we do what we do. And so I'm very thankful for you guys. And yeah. And uh, it's cool to see God, um, God use ordinary people like us to do extraordinary things. And I'm very thankful for that. I'm very humbled by it and just reminded of how dependent we are on God to do uh, what he does. And so we're going to continue this series called Framework today. Uh, You know, we've been looking at this and we've been looking at the gospel and talking about how Jesus is the foundation upon which our life must be built on. It's the only foundation, the only true foundation that we can build our life on that is secure. Uh, And we've talked about how the gospel um, provides the framework uh, that that builds up off of that foundation. And so this week we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9 and we're going to be reading verses 18 through 34. When we started out, we looked at Jesus calling Matthew, and he calls this guy who, uh, by their cultural standards, was the lowest of the low. Um, he, was, he was hated by his own people, yet Jesus comes and takes the time to call him and calls him into service with him um, and, and gives him a new life. And we talked about how powerful that is for us because we, like Matthew, were hopelessly separated from God um, if it weren't for Jesus coming to us. And then last week, we talked about how Jesus comes to make things new, and he brought something new um, to us. And in that we see uh, where he taught about the wineskins and the, the patch of cloth. And we talked about how old wineskins can't contain new wine because the, the wineskins are, are brittle and the new wine uh, expands and ferments and it, it messes up the wineskins. And we can't take just a patch of Jesus and put him on our life and think that that's what he's called us to do, but that we put an entirely new garment on, uh, a garment of righteousness and Jesus makes us righteous and we have a new life. Today, last week we really talked about how Jesus brought this newness. Today we're going to talk about what that looks like. We're going to see this and we're actually going to look at four different miracles as we get into this. But first of all, what I'd like to do is read verses 18 through 34 to give us the big picture. And then we're going to come back and we're going to be looking at these verses. So let's read this. We'll pray and then we'll get going. While he was saying this, so Jesus has just done the teaching on the patch of unshrunk cloth and the wineskins. He's been questioned about why his disciples don't fast. And he's been berated for calling a sinner like Matthew and then going to his house and eating with a bunch of sinners like Matthew and like us. Um, So while he was saying this, after he was finishing teaching, in other words, a ruler came and knelt down before him. You'll see in other places in scripture, in other gospels, that this ruler's name is Jairus. Um, And so when you hear me refer to Jairus or Jairus's daughter, I want you to understand who I'm talking about. And he came, knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. 
Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, now one thing they would do in these times is they would actually, when someone would die, they would hire flute players, they would hire professional mourners. I guess if you were a good wailer, they would hire you, right, to come in and just make a scene when someone would die. And so these people, uh, many of them were actually hired to come in uh, as professional mourners. And so when he sees, they see this, it says, uh, he walks in. Basically, when Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand and she got up. News of this spread through all that region. Typically happens when uh, somebody dead is brought back to life. Um, As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. But they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. While they were going out, a man who was demon possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. The crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever happened or been seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, it is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. So let's pray. God, we thank you for today. And we thank you for the opportunity to gather together. We thank you for life. We thank you for life that comes through Christ. Lord, let your Holy Spirit move amongst us. God, draw us near to you, God. I pray that our hearts would be open to receive your word. I pray that blinded eyes would be open. I'm God that we could behold you and behold your glory. God, we love you and thank you for loving us. Thank you for the newness of the life in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Quick question for you. Um, How many of you would say you had a busy week? Anybody have a busy week other than me? Busy week. How many of you had a really busy day this week? Maybe one day that stands out to you a little bit more. Yeah, most of us have busy lives. Like most of us don't get excited when somebody wants to give us one more thing to do because our lives are already really busy. Um, they were, it was busy for us this week as well, especially on Friday because Friday was what for the public schools? First day of school, right? Yep. And so first day of school, um, it's kind of crazy. You know, the kids get up at like six instead of like 1030 or whatever time they normally would get up and everybody's kind of cranky and a little irritable. And so you have that fun part of getting out um, and going to getting them all to school. And then, you know, for me, it was especially hard because I had my oldest son start middle school this week, middle school, right? It's hard for me to believe that Susan is old enough to have a middle schooler, but I'm not Asian, but Susan is. And so, but it was crazy, man. When we're, we're drop, I'm dropping him off at the middle school. I'm like, where'd the time go? You know, and it just kind of, I'm all sad all day and feel like I'm going to throw up because I'm, you know, I got a knot in my stomach. And so it was just one of those busy days. And I know we've had some busy days. You can probably think about other days in your life that were really busy, maybe really stressful. And then I was reading about Jesus in this account and it hit me like, I've never had a day like this one that Jesus just had. 
You think about it, he goes and he calls Matthew, right, to come follow him. He's, he's, he's getting the, the, basically the ministry that he's doing has been uh, questioned. The integrity of the ministry that, uh, that he has has been questioned about Matthew. Then he comes and he starts being questioned about why his disciples won't fast. And, and then he teaches them something that's really profound, but very few of them actually get it. And then while he's doing that, he's leaving from this, from having the ministry question and his integrity question and even who he is questioned. And he's leaving from this. And a guy comes up, falls at his feet and says, my daughter's dead. Yeah. Can you come do something? And of course Jesus is going to be like, no. And walk away. So he's like, yeah, I'll come do something. And so he follows this guy. And then on the way going with this guy, a lady comes up who's been bleeding. Most of them, uh, scholars believe it was like a menstrual thing where she just bled for t- 12 years. And so she comes up, touches him. He's like, whoa, somebody touched me. Power left me. And so he stops and he spends time with her. And then he goes on and he gets ridiculed again as he walks into Jairus's home. And all these people are laughing at him because he says, the girl's not dead. She's only asleep. And then he says, get up. And she gets up and everybody's like, oh, you know, and so then he, he keeps moving. And then you have these two blind guys that come up and they are hollering out for him. Son of David, son of David, heal us, make us, you know, help us see. And he finally, you know, they come to him, he heals their eyes. And then you think that's enough. But then this crazy demon possessed dude comes up and they're like, can you help him? You know? And so he cast out the demon. When I read that, I was like, I've never had that day. Right. I mean, it was just like, we've never had that day. We've had some busy days, but we've never had that day. And I want us to look at these, especially these four things with the, 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 the dead girl, 12 year old girl who is dead. I want us to look at this woman with the issue of blood. I want us to see these two blind guys. And I want us to look at this man who was possessed by a demon. And I want us to see these not as individual events. We want to see them as individual, but I want you to see them as a whole, because I believe when you look at these as a whole, what you begin to see is a, a, a more complete picture of what Jesus has done for us. And if Jesus is the foundation of our lives, this is clearly the beginning of where that starts. And I want you to see these things. So today, what I want to do is I want to give you some things that are common in each one of these um, miracles. And I want you to be able to take those things. I want us to put them together to form a picture of what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross, what Jesus did for us when he took our sin upon himself, what Jesus did for us when he took the punishment that we deserve for that sin, what Jesus did for us when he was dead and when he was buried, but when he came out and was raised to life by God, um, giving us victory over death. I want you to be able to see a clear picture of what he does. And so the first thing that happens, the first thing that we see in each one of these miracles is this. And number one, you can write this down. You can take notes. Be awesome. Make me feel good anyway, if you don't care, right? Just do it. So I'll think, yeah, man, they're listening. All right. So the first thing is this, they're, they're blind people in each miracle. Number one, they're blind people in each miracle. And we read this and we just read through it. We begin to see and we begin to think like there's just these two blind guys who are hollering out for Jesus. But the thing that we begin to see is we look closer and we really begin to understand that this is not just about the physical reality, but it's also about a spiritual reality. As we begin to see that there are blind people in each one of these accounts. For instance, in the account with Jairus, as he comes to Jesus, there were people in the the house who were mocking Jesus. They were blind. They didn't see. Spiritually, they couldn't understand understand that Jesus, the son of God, the one who God had sent to them was standing in their presence, God standing before them, the very express image of God standing before them. And yet they can't see it. They're laughing, mocking, not realizing that the power of God has entered this room in the person of Jesus, that the kingdom has come in the person of Jesus. The people were blind to it. 
You see the woman, she's in the crowd. There's a crowd of people. It's like Jesus was this superstar. You know, people are crowding around him. Other people are touching him. But this woman's thinking, if I can just touch him, if I can just get my hand on him, maybe I'll be healed, right? Maybe I can do this. But the whole crowd's just standing around. They're not realizing what this lady is realizing, that this is God. He has the power of God. He's come to heal, even heal her, right? And they don't see this. When you look at the blind men, I mean, obviously they were physically blind, but they were also spiritually blind until this moment that Jesus comes into their life. And then when you think about this demoniac, this guy filled with this demon, see the onlookers were amazed. The Pharisees were like, well, how dare Jesus do, you know, they're trying to rationalize it away, but they don't realize that Jesus is there before them. The son of God is there in their midst. They're blind, spiritually blind to the realization of who Jesus is. I mean, these Pharisees that knew the law backwards and forwards, who did all these right ceremonial things, but none of them pointed them to the fact that God, the one they'd been studying about, the one they'd been learning about, the Messiah was standing in front of them. And I wonder how many of us week after week, day after day, go through the motions of Christianity, but we've never really realized that Jesus is the son of God, the one them whom God promised long ago. It's easy for us to be around church and around religious things and still miss the fact of who Jesus is and what he wants to do in our life. He wants to give us sight. He wants to help us see. I hope that we won't miss the fact that we have come today gathered in the name of Jesus, that he is in our midst. And my prayer is that you would be able to see him today. My prayer is that our eyes would be open. If Out of all the, the things we're going to talk about today, this is the one that probably um, just kind of stabs me in the heart the most because week after week, this is what I see. I see people that are going through life, making bad decisions, doing things that they think is going to help them, but not, not walking and not following after God. And, and yet they, they're just blind to what they're doing. And some of you have seen this happen. You've watched friends that you tried to help, but they just walk off the cliff anyway, right? And, and you see this take place, but this is the thing I would hope. I would hope you would examine yourself. Maybe today ask God, open my eyes. Maybe cry out to God today and say, Lord, open my eyes. Like these two blind men, son of David, God, open my eyes that I can see clearly. It's like when, when we're not walking in the light of Christ, it's just like walking through a dark room. I went in this morning to get a shirt out of my kid's room because we're living with mom and dad. And I don't have a closet in my room. So I'm walking through there and it's still there. Y'all pray for us. And so I'm walking through there and, and, and it's dark, you know, and, and you know, they don't ever get everything off the floor. So I'm stepping on like Xbox controllers. I'm stepping on Legos. I'm step. I'm hitting my, my toe on the drawer. And isn't that how life is when we take our eyes off of Jesus, when we quit crying out to God and saying, God, show me the path, show me the right way. Let me follow you. And, 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 and we just begin to walk in our own way. We don't see clearly and we step on things. We make mistakes. We stump our toe, um, spiritually speaking. And literally as we're walking through life, just, just trying to feel our way along. But the Bible promises that God's word is like a lamp unto our feet. It's like a light unto our path that shows us the way to go. For some of us today, maybe the thing we need to do is cry out to God and say, God, open my eyes that I can see clearly. Let the the, the light of the world shine in your heart today. Maybe I need to let it shine in, in my heart today to illuminate things in my own life, right? But today we need to cry out to God that we might see because there are blind people in each of these miracles. And many of us, maybe there are blind spots in our life that God needs to illuminate. The second thing that I see in all of these miracles is that they show us that God's blessing comes through faith. God's blessing comes through faith. 
So you see, Jairus had faith that Jesus could raise his daughter from the dead. You look at it, you see the woman had faith that Jesus could, um, if she would just touch his, his, not even Jesus, but his garment, the edge of his garment, that she would be healed. You see, the blind man had faith that Jesus could give him sight. And then you see this demon-possessed man that his friends had faith that if we can get him to Jesus and Jesus can just simply touch him, then he can be made well. And when we begin to see this, we see that it was faith that brought the blessing of God into each one of their lives. But I want us to be careful about what we consider the blessing of God, because many times the blessing of God is this to us. We think that it means everything goes right. Everything works out perfectly. Um, it's, It's plenty of money in the bank account. And yet the thing is, contrary to much of what's being taught today, that's not just, that's not all there is to the blessing of God. Many times God does bless us with finances. Many times God does bless us with health, but the health and wealth prosperity gospel that's being taught in so many different places, that's not what God's blessing primarily is. God's primary blessing is this. It is his power, his presence, and his purpose in our life. It's more than just a healthy bank account. It's more than just even feeling great. Listen, it's more than that. It's knowing that no matter what, the power of God is working in my life because I've been joined to him by Jesus. It's more because I know that no matter what, the presence of God is in my life, even on days that seem to be great and even on days that seem to be not so great. The presence of God is with me. I can't go anywhere that he's not. And so that I know he has me all the time. And then I have the purpose of God in my life. It is greater than trying to accumulate things or trying to, 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 to exalt myself. There's a greater purpose and it's pointing people to God. It's showing them who he is. And it's by faith that we begin to see this happen. It's by faith that, that we come into the presence of God, the power of God and the purpose of God. And we begin to walk and we begin to follow him by faith. And so it's by faith that the blessings come into our lives. But I think sometimes not only do we misconstrue what the blessing is, but we also misconstrue sometimes what faith is. And I want you to understand faith is not just believing. Many people believe that Jesus is who he says he is, right? Even the Pharisees couldn't deny facts about Jesus. They couldn't deny facts that he was healing people, that he was casting out demons, that he was doing all these things. It's not just believing um, and and just acknowledging some mental assent that we say, yes, Jesus is this person, Um, but it is taking it a step further. That's not biblical faith. Biblical faith is when I believe I know who he is and I trust my life to him. I put it all in his hands. I let him have it, everything, not just a piece of me, but all of me. And I give me over to him and I trust not only my physical life now to Jesus, but I also give him my eternity so that he now is the Lord of my life and the savior of my life so that he calls the shots. I no longer call the shots. I've shown you this before, but it's the best way I know to describe faith. And so I want to do it again. I didn't bring a chair in case I get tired. I brought it to demonstrate something. Now, if I look at this and I just have a belief, this is what I would say. I would say that this is definitely a chair. And I know some facts about this chair. This chair is a shade of blue. This chair 
This chair has two arms. It's got four legs. And this is what I believe. I believe that that chair would probably hold me up if I sat in it. Um, all of my weight, every bit of it, which is getting to be more and more. And so I believe that this chair would support the weight of my body. But here's where we come into what the Bible would consider faith. Is when I go from belief in facts to the point where I do this and I actually sit in the chair. And I actually trust my life to this chair. Now I'm probably not going to die if it breaks. But I would hit the floor. But that's the way it works with us in faith. This is kind of comfortable. I might sit here the rest of the time. And so this is what we think of in trusting God. So it's belief, yes, about knowing who he is, um, what he's done and what he's going to do. But it's also coming to a point of trust where I'm willing to put my life in his hands, where I'm willing to leave my old life behind to follow him, trusting that his way is the best way, trusting that he is who he says he is, has done what he said he would do and will do what he's promised. That's biblical faith, putting it all into his hands. So much so that, listen, if this chair were to fail, I would fall. So much so we trust in Jesus that if he were to fail, which is absolutely impossible, we would fall. But we put everything in his hands. That is biblical faith. That's where the power, the presence, and the purpose of God come from. Y'all wait. Here's the third thing. So all of them had faith and the blessing of God came through faith. Here's the third thing. All of them had imperfect faith, right? Listen to this. Jairus comes and he falls at Jesus's feet, but he was coming out of desperation. How many of you ever had desperate faith, right? <laughs> We've had desperate faith. Jesus, help me, right? You know, and, and he comes out of desperate faith. It wasn't like he was coming and it was like, oh, Jesus has got this. I, you know, no, he's coming. He's desperate. Who wouldn't do this if their little girl was in this situation? Who wouldn't come, right, and, and do exactly what he did? You need to understand that Jairus, as the synagogue ruler, is what he was. He comes, and, and he's a man of importance. He was highly respected in the community. He was dignified, right? And yet he comes running and falls at Jesus' feet in desperation because his little girl is sick. See, at this moment, he forgot the, the prejudices about Jesus that he had had. Because everybody would know that if you've been hanging around a synagogue, not a lot of people in the synagogue thought a lot about Jesus, right? The Pharisees were putting him down. But at this moment, he's like, listen, all my religion hasn't worked. This is good for some people in here. Listen, all of my religion hasn't worked. Maybe I actually need to get in touch with the person. Maybe I actually need to get in touch with God. Maybe I actually need to grab hold of him. Maybe he can do something. And so he comes up and he falls and he lays his prejudices and all of this stuff to the side. He lost his dignity. He lost his pride. For many of us, our greatest hindrance in following Jesus is just our pride. We worry so much about being dignified and what other people think. Listen, we need to get to a point where we're not so worried about what they think from a standpoint of, you know, if I got it all together. We need to get to a point where they look at us and go, that's somebody that really follows God. We need to be at a place where we're willing to lose our dignity in order to pursue him. For some of us today, maybe it's time that we realize that our religion is not going to do for us what we thought it would do. Our going through the motions is not going to do for us what we wanted it to do. And we need to get in touch with the person of Jesus, not just in touch with some religious activity. We need to come to this place of actually knowing him. You think about this woman. She came and it's it out of desperation, but it was also with some superstition, right? She comes and she's like, if I can just touch the, the hem of his garment, 
Man, if I can touch the hem of his garment, then I know I, I, I might be healed, right? How many of you like to hunt? Any hunters in here? I know we got hunters in here. We're in South Georgia. Good gracious, right? And so you like to hunt. How many of you know what a buckeye is? You know what a buckeye is? Some people know what a buckeye is. How many of you carry a buckeye with you hunting? Anybody carry a buckeye hunting? How how has that worked out for you, right? I mean, it really doesn't. My granddaddy told me, carry one of these things with you. You'll see a deer. I did. It didn't, right? And and so it's one of those things where, where it's superstition. How many of you played sports growing up, maybe? I mean, some of you still play sports and some of you you probably had some superstitious things that you did if you played football you probably wore the same socks every game and never washed them I don't know what you did that's pretty gross but you probably did it anyway Um, you you know there's different things that we do in baseball I had the whole routine I stepped in with the right foot stepped in left foot tapped the plate twice ready to hit right that was my superstition it didn't work much either I didn't get many hits and so uh, the superstitions don't really work this lady's faith was not perfected it wasn't that she came in full confidence knowing he's just going to take care of it she came um, because she thought maybe it'll work maybe if I touch the garment right and she came and she touched him and see she'd already been to all these doctors she'd been to all these other things doing all this stuff there was some superstitious type stuff that they would do and I found a couple of these I was like what why did they do this but like for an ailment like this sometimes if nothing else was working they would do stuff like carrying the ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen rag in the summer and a cotton rag in the winter I'm like, yeah, you know, not now you're bleeding and you look stupid. You know what I'm saying? Or this one, it was carrying a barley corn, which had been found in the dung of a white female donkey. Like that made me think I'm going to get healed. That just makes me like, you know what I mean? It's, it's not something you would think, but she's so desperate. She's trying everything, even these superstitious things. But I began to think about it. I was like, you know, those things seem stupid to us, but we'll do some stupid stuff too when we get desperate, won't we? We'll start thinking that, that other things will chase everything that, that looks like it might benefit us. We'll, we'll go after um, every girl. We think if we can have enough sex, it'll, it'll somehow make us happy. It'll somehow fulfill us. We think if we can get a little bit more money, I'll be happy. doesn't work. We think maybe if I get out of this marriage and get out into another one, I'll be happy. doesn't work. We think that if we somehow can drown our sorrows, right, that, that, that they'll go away. We make alcohol our savior, but we just wake up the next day with all the same problems and a headache, right? And so none of those things work, but we do some stupid things when we get desperate. And we begin to try to just find something that'll work. I'm telling you today, the only thing I've ever found in my life that works is Jesus. And it's not just running after, you know, religious, it's, it's knowing him. It's being desperate for him. It's like being like these blind men that say, Jesus, help me. Help me, God. I need you in my life. I can't do this on my own. I need you with me. The only reason we're not like Jairus who came and fell at Jesus's feet is because we don't really realize how desperate we are for God. We don't really realize that it is only God who gives us our very breath that we breathe. And we need to come to that understanding. We need to become more like these people falling at Jesus' feet. The blind men, they came with this misperception. Their faith wasn't perfect either. They come and they say, son of David. Listen, this was a, this was a title for Jesus that the, the people would use when they're thinking of him as this military ruler. So they're not even seeing clearly all of what Jesus was there to do. Their faith wasn't perfect. You got the demoniac. He's so blitzed out of his mind. He don't even know what's going on. You know, he's just foaming at the mouth. And they bring him up there and and, and Jesus heals him. But his faith certainly wasn't perfect. The people who brought him, their faith wasn't perfect. But there was a healing that took place because this is why, this is why you need to get this. It's not our perfect faith that saves us. It's faith in the one who is perfect that saves us. 
He saves us when we come to him and we just say yes to him. Jesus, help me. I'm surrendering my life to you. No take backs, right? And so we come to this place where even imperfect faith and the perfect one is able to save, able to give new life, able to help us see. I want you to understand this is the fourth thing. Each of these people were outsiders. Each one of them were outsiders. So there were blind people in each miracle. Um, Faith brought blessing in each miracle. And we see that their faith was imperfect in each miracle. And in this one, you see that each of these people were outsiders. All of them. You think about this with um, Jairus and the little girl. The little girl was dead. In their culture, if you touched a dead person, like, why would you do that anyway? I don't know. But if you touched a dead person, you became unclean, which meant you couldn't be around. You couldn't touch other people. You couldn't go in the synagogue. You couldn't go in the temple. You were basically separated from other people. So this little girl, obviously dead and, 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 and just an outsider. She's outside the realm of hope at this point. The woman, she was unclean because of this menstrual flow. She was unclean in, in their culture. Um, when when um, a lady was ha- during the menstrual cycle, um, she was unclean, right? Anybody she touched became unclean. She couldn't go to the synagogue. She couldn't go to the temple. She couldn't do those things. Why? Because they saw her as unclean. And so at this point, she's an outsider. Think about this. It wasn't just for um, a period of time in the month for her. It was 12 years that she separated not only from God, but from everybody else. And so she's been in this predicament for 12 years, an outsider. But here's the awesome thing about these miracles. that When Jesus comes and he touches them, rather than them becoming unclean, they become clean, right? Rather than him becoming unclean, they become clean. And so we see this opposite effect take place. Why? Because Jesus is greater than our uncleanness. Jesus is greater than our sin. Jesus is greater than death. And when he touches our life, we come to life and we're made clean and we're given new life. You see in this one that the blind men, listen in this culture, when you were, if you were blind and people would think that um, you had sinned, you had done something to deserve this somehow, or your parents had done something to cause you to be blind. And so these men were outsiders. They thought some, they'd done something. They, this is how they would think about it. They deserve to be blind for whatever it was that they or their parents did. That's how they viewed it. These men were outsiders. And then you got the demoniac. I mean, and it's kind of obvious why he was an outsider, right? But like nobody wants to hang out with a demon possessed guy. It's just typically the way it works. Like making dinner plans. Nobody's going, let's call the guy with the demon. He's a lot of fun, you know? And so nobody does that. And so these guys were all outsiders. And this is what I want you to see. All of these people had no hope of attaining holiness. They were forever separated from God and separated from regular, normal relationships like we would know. And until Jesus came into their life and touched them. Until the one who was clean came and made them clean. Until the one who um, was able to, to do what nobody else could do for them came into their life. And they were touched by him. They met him. And they began to follow him. And see, here's the last one, number five. I want you to see this because for each one of these people, number five, their lives were different after meeting Jesus. In every one of these miracles, it deals with more than physical issues. Physical issues, yes. Does Jesus work in our physical issues? Absolutely. But it's more than that. It touches every area of our life. It penetrates every area. And I told you, if you take all of these together, you can begin to see a picture of what Jesus does for us. You see in Jairus, you see that his life is forever different because here's the reality, guys. This is a spiritual reality and is a spiritual impossibility for us to meet Jesus, come into a relationship with Jesus and our lives not be changed. 
It was a spiritual impossibility. This man's life was changed forever. Listen, he couldn't go back to his job. When you bowed down and worshiped a heretic, they don't let you come back in the synagogue and organize worship services, right? And so he's done. He's, he, his life is different. But let me ask you this. Do you think he had any regrets? He got his daughter back. He found life. And see, here's what I find. Many people, they don't want to come to Jesus and, and say yes to his invitation to follow because they're afraid that he's going to take away stuff. And yes, he might take away stuff, but this is the reality. He always gives more than he takes. He gives us life. And, and, and I can tell you this. 24 years of my life, I searched for things that would try to make me happy. I tried to find identity in everything I could. Nothing, nothing did it until I finally came to the realization and my eyes were open like these two blind men and I saw who Jesus is. And he's the only one who's been able to satisfy my soul. Nothing else works. It's him. It's knowing him. He gained more than he lost. I've never regretted the day that I said yes to Jesus. You see the little girl, obviously she was glad, right? She was glad she had life. She came back to life. And so do we. When we come to faith in Christ, belief in who he is, but trusting him to do what he said he would do, to do what he's doing, and to do what he's promised. You see, this woman, she was given back her life, right? She had, for 12 years, she'd known she had existed, but she really wasn't able to live. But after this moment, her relationships would be different with God and with people. She was able to worship. She was actually touched by God, made clean. So now her relationships could be different. You see the blind man, they saw in a way that they never had before. Even if these guys could see and went blind and then were able to see again, they still saw in a different way. And this is the thing, when we come into contact with Jesus, we begin to see things in a different way too. We see the futility of the things that are temporary and we begin to live for the eternal. We quit trying to store up treasures here on earth and we begin to store them up where we can enjoy them forever in eternity. And this is the way these men would have been able to see things differently. They've been touched by the one who is eternal. And when we're touched by him, our perspective begins to change. And so it becomes not about how much we're owed, but how much we've been given. That's a huge difference in our life. It becomes not about how much we can take, but how much we can give. Not about how other people burden us and put us out, but about how broken people are and how in need of a Savior they are. We quit looking at people and seeing them as just messed up, but we see them as children of God. And we become invigorated because we realize that the same power that changed our heart has the power to change their heart. And has the power to set them on a new foundation and give them new life. It's no longer us, us complaining and whining and begging about what we're due. We're just thankful we didn't get what we really had coming to us. Because Jesus spared us from the condemnation and judgment of God. It's no longer about how much we can accumulate, but how much we've already been given. And God hit me right in the face. When the first night we moved in with my mom and dad, um, and it's even kind of embarrassing saying that, I'm 38. And so we moved in, and, and I was in the, the, our bedroom, mine and Susan's bedroom, and which typically every night becomes Dave Jackson and Reed's bedroom too, or we go to the other room, whatever. But we're in there, and, and we're getting ready for bed, and I'm like, man, this feels weird, you know, being back in my mom and dad's house, and I don't know how long it's going to be, and all this stuff. And man, it was like God just smacked me in the face. And he was like, do you not realize there are billions of people on the face of the earth that would give anything to have what you have? It's like, sorry, right? Because I realize again, how blessed I am, how much God's given. 
especially how much God has given us through Christ, through giving us life in him. You think about the, the blind men, they saw differently. This demoniac was loose from the clutches of Satan. Listen, Satan no longer had a hold on him. If you're in Christ, he has no hold on you either. It's why the Bible can say that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. It's why we can live as overcomers even when things don't come our way because we, by faith, are walking in the blessing of God, his power, his presence, and his purpose. And we see that God has done greater things for us and in us. I want you to look at these. This is the last thing I'll say. I want you to look at these and I want you to see these miracles and I want you to understand that we, we take them as a whole, as I told you we needed to in the very beginning, that these miracles show us four things, that Jesus has power over death, that Jesus has power over sin and uncleanness, that Jesus has power to give true sight so that we can see the light of the world, Jesus, and so that we can see clearly how to walk out our life and that Jesus has power over Satan. Thank God that he is able to overcome come Satan that in this world we will have trouble but take heart because Christ has overcome the world praise God for that this is the totality of what Jesus has done for us he's given us new life he's cleansed us of sin he's given us true sight to see and he's overcome the power of Satan and see here's where we're at today have you come into that relationship with him do you know him in that way have you said yes to his invitation to, to, to walk with him, to, to be in a relationship with him, not to hang out at church, but to walk with him, to follow him, to be taught by him? Have you laid down your life and said, here, take it, it's yours. I see what I can do with it and it's not much. You use it for your glory. That's what it's about. Have you come to that place where you went from believing facts about Jesus to trusting him, not just with your physical life, but with your eternity. Have you come to that place? If not, I would encourage you today. And my prayer is that God is speaking to your heart and telling you today is the day that you come to that point of turning it all over to him. To turn away from an old life that promises nothing, even if you think you got it great, it's all temporary. And come into this place where you begin to invest in eternal things and follow Jesus for the rest of your life. It's the only way that brings life. It's the only way that our sin can be paid for. And today, this is what I'm asking you. I want you to think, if you're, you're here today, you know, I don't have a relationship with Christ. You've been running away from God maybe all of your life. But today you say, today is the day. Your heart's beating 100 miles an hour. Or just God's just spoken to your heart and said, today's the day. You need to say yes. Today's the day you turn and you begin to go a different direction. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. And just a minute, I want you to stand. And this is going to be crazy. You're going to think this is nuts. I want you to stand to your feet. This is what we do here. Somebody comes to Christ and they put their faith in Jesus. We just ask them to stand because, listen, we're a family. We want to celebrate with you. And we want to walk with you. It's not the end of a journey. It's the beginning of a new life. And we want to be a part of that. We want to share that with you. We want to help you take those next steps in your life. And so today, if that's you, you would say, yes, I need Christ in my life. And I'm going to trust him with my life. I'm giving him everything I have. I'm going to ask you right now, would you just stand to your feet? Let us celebrate with you. I guarantee you this, if you do it, there's other people who are wanting that same thing. Would you just say yes to him? We're going to celebrate this like crazy. God's speaking to your heart. You know it. Would you be bold enough today? All right. Here's, here's, Here's for the rest of us, right? Here's where we're at with God. For each one of us, there's probably areas of our life that we've been blind we've been walking in a different way we've walked in ways we probably shouldn't have 
And today maybe it's the time we cry out to God. For some of us, there's things in our life we need to lay at his feet. And we need to come like Jairus and fall at his feet and say, Lord, heal me, help me, restore me. These miracles are all about newness and respiration. And so today, I'm going to pray. When I pray, I'm going to ask you to begin to move. Monday through Saturday, this is a stage. But today, this is an altar. This is a place for you to come to meet God. This is a place for you to come and die to things in your life that you know are holding you back from your relationship with God. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's sex outside of marriage. I don't know if it's you um, shacking up with somebody. I don't know if it's something, you know, you've been uh, talking bad to your, your spouse. I don't know what it is, but you do. I believe the Holy Spirit has put it in your heart what it is that today you need to say, God, take this. I don't want it anymore. I'm walking away from it and I'm going to live in a new and restored life. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to move. You come and you do business with God, letting God speak to your heart, letting God do what only he can do in your life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for the day, God. I pray that you would move in people's hearts. God, I pray that today we would be able to come and lay our hearts bare before you, God. I pray that you would work in us and do what only you can do, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would speak clearly. Speak clearly, God. Holy Spirit, I pray you would convict us, not so that we can walk in condemnation, God, but so that we can be set free as we come and we return uh, or turn all of this over to you, Lord. Lord, we give you thanks and we give you praise. I pray that you would just continue to work in people's hearts. We love you and we thank you. In 